Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu, and I'm so excited to have with me today as my guest, Anne Maxwell. Anne Maxwell is a psychotherapist who's worked for over 25 years with children who struggle with not fitting in, with being different, with being labeled with disorders. She's developed a unique approach for these children, their parents and family members that allows them to shift from dismay, distress and worry to being able to change all of that and to create a different way of being that works better for them. And thank you so much for being with, here, with us here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so exci- I'm so happy to be here. I love doing these. <laughs> yeah, and it's so wonderful for me to have other therapists who really are looking at what we're calling mental illness from a different perspective, a much more empowering perspective rather than a pathologizing one. So right. so I'd love to hear from you a little bit more about your story. Um like how you even came to this work and how you came to looking at it through a different lens. That's so funny. I, um, you know, uh, you and I have a mutual friend called Gary. And um, one of the things that he has said to me over the years is, um, and he says it to a lot of people, you have a gift. And, And he says to me, frustrated sometimes with me, do you get how different you are? Do you get that people can't do what you do, right? Like that. And, and, um, and so as a child therapist, I've always, I've loved kids and I've, and I've been, um, I've been like a, a magnet for kids and for babies. And one of the first stories that my mom t- told about me was when I was four, um, there were, we were at an outdoor picnic and, there were twins that were screaming and crying and, and inconsolable. Like they were passed from person to person. The mom is, is up to here. And, and my mom said, why don't you ask Anne to sit down in the grass and hand the babies to her and just see what happens. And so the mom did and the babies stopped crying. And I've, I've been like that with kids forever. Like I get kids on a, on a sort of cellular level and you know, life is funny and I've had many lives and very long story, very short was I ended up in Denver going to grad school. I'm a, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I've had a, out, an outpatient practice working, specializing with kids and families for almost 30 years. I graduated in 1991, so 29 years plus the, the two years of internship. And, and one of the, one of the things about me is that I'm, I'm a seeker. I'm always looking for other things that work. And as a therapist, I've, I was always looking for, um, things that I could teach, um, to the parents and kids. Uh, My goal 
my goal, my purpose, if you will, as a therapist is um, for my clients to get to, to be in this space where they don't need me anymore, right? I would say to them, you are not my retirement policy at all. And I view myself as a success when they stop coming in or when they call periodically for a, you know, a brush up or something like that. And, and so I took, I just soaked in every training I could get. I worked in a multitude of settings from residential treatment to inpatient psych to outpatient clinic in home, um, like all day treatment, all different kinds of places and ended up with a, is setting up my own outpatient practice. And the, the modalities that I was taught back in the day were cognitive behavioral and behavioral modification and solution focused um, and a lot of that stuff. And it, there were, it seemed as if, although it, some of them had bits and pieces that actually were helpful, but for the most part, the change didn't last very long. And um, it, it, so the, like the kids, the kids, the kids didn't go for it. They didn't, most of them didn't buy the, the behavioral modification and they, they felt like they were being controlled and stuff like that. And so then fast forward to 10 years ago, when I met our mutual friend, Gary Douglas in a class and he said to me, he, he didn't say to me, but it felt like he was talking to me. Um, he was talking about kids with um, ADD, ADHD, OCD, and autism. And he said, what if there's nothing wrong with them? What if they're just different? And I cried for three days. <laughs> I did. I just sobbed. And all these kids that had... Um, that had been on my caseload, especially at the residential treatment center and also in the inpatient psych unit, just flashed in front of my face. And I, and I realized that it was something that I know was known. They were different and they didn't respond. They, all they need is just different handling. And I wonder, that one question made me question really the mental health system and diagnoses and all that kind of stuff. What if, you know, my question is what if people function the way they function because it works for them. They do the best they can with the tools and the information that they have available to them at the time. But one of the underpinnings of my practice has always been um, behavior is a form of communication. So what are people saying? Right? Not, I hate you. Like what are they really saying? School was awful today. My teacher was mean to me. And what else? And what else? Right? Like that. So that's, I'm sorry to like go on and on like that, but that's, that's the deal. So. Yeah, no, I love it. I love hearing about how people discover, you know, what they discover. And you have co-authored this incredible book. It probably shows up as backwards on the screen. But. No, it's good. It shows <laughs> yeah. up frontward. Okay, me. good. Yeah. Me. yeah. Um, this wonderful book that you co-authored with Gary Douglas and his collaborator, Dr. Dane here, um, called Would You Teach a Fish to Climb a Tree? So tell us about this book. It's um, the, sub, the subtitle is A Different Take on Kids with ADD, ADHD, OCD, and Autism. 
And it comes from a quote of Albert Einstein, which is, everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And that's the world of these kids, right? That are made to feel so wrong for being as different as they are. They have talents and abilities and gifts that many other people don't have, but they're, they learn differently. Some of them look different. They think differently. They emote differently. They're just really different. And it just makes me so sad to see all this, all this, um, sort of logical linear stuff applied to them when they don't actually function like that. They function um, in a very different way. But anyway, I love, I love, anyway, I love the book. And and you want to know a story about it. It it was published in, um, I think in 2014. And the first email that I got was uh, was from a woman who said, Dear Anne, I'm a 75-year-old fish, and I read your book cover to cover without putting it down and cried all the way through. I just wish that it had been available when I was growing up. And it's like, oh, my God. I, you know, Gary and I talked about who the audience for the book was, and I thought it was people like us, therapists and parents and teachers and people, you know, medical, the medical profession, people who work with these kids who sort of come up against stuff. But so you never know. <laughs> Turns out there are a lot of adults who like it too, don't have kids and don't work with them. For sure. For sure. And, yeah. you know, you said something before about um, these kids don't function in a linear kind of way. And I know I've worked with a number of these kids and adults myself in my practice and what I've found is, you know, it's when the school system oftentimes, right? That's when kids are first getting pathologized and given these labels. It's yeah. the school systems with all the form and structure that can't really accommodate a kid who thinks differently or acts differently or learns differently. They're trying to fit everyone into that mold, that form and structure, and it just doesn't work for everyone. No, it doesn't. And it's interesting because schools actually can adapt. And I've there, I've had um, many, I've worked with many families whose parents um, had connections and ties with awesome people, either in the school administration or specific teachers or whatever, who were able to work out plans, but it really was a a collaboration between the parents, the teachers, and the administrative staff to come up with really a different perspective on who the kids. So, all right. So here, can I tell a story? Yeah, I would love to hear a story. Okay. So um, mom and dad um, and twins, boy and a girl entering first grade, and the all four of them are um, anywhere from um, mildly to um, somewhat more autistic. Um, and the the dad and the boy, less social than the mom and the little girl. Um, the dad being the dad, it was is brilliant at technology, at um, com- um, computer stuff. And so he's an IT guy and he gets to work from home. And when he has to go in the office, he has a little cubicle somewhere and vast green area outside and he gets to take breaks outside and 
doesn't really have to talk to very many people and, and like that. I mean, he's really, as an adult, you get to create the kind of life that works for you a lot more than you do as a kid. So <laughs> now that to his son, who was six, entering first grade, who'd been reading since he was three and a half, probably three and a half, four, like that kind of stuff. After three days of being in first grade, um, he would come home and tantrum for three hours. And his mom called me on the third day and said, I'm not going to make it through the end of the week, let alone a year, let alone 12 years of this. I need some help. And so she came in and I, I asked her questions about the school. I said, um, are there teachers or administrators that you know that seem sympathetic to you and to your kids? And she said, yeah, there are a couple of them. And I said, okay, so what is it about, let's talk about your son and you know him better than anybody does. What information do you have for them that other people don't know? And, and so over the course of the next week or two, they were able to devise a plan. But for a shift in perspective, this is an example. So they came up with a, I think it was a 504 plan as opposed to an IEP because he, he certainly wasn't like lacking in anything. He just had too much of it. Um, so they bumped him ahead a grade physically and then gave him fourth grade, essentially fourth grade work to do. Um, but he had these, he had these goals and then he had objectives. So one of his goals was to become more social, improve socialization probably. And then the objectives that they had lined out were regular, linear, these kids, every, like that box that you were talking about, that he will be, he will have spontaneous interaction with other children, that he will be friendly, that he will play with at least one child every recess or, you know, whatever the criteria was that they were using. And the mom said they're, they're, um, the reason that they created that objective was because he was, quote, isolating when he went outside. And I said, no, 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 no. He's not isolating. He's soothing himself. Like, what if you can flip that and show that as a strength and, and flip the objectives out of there to that he's going to, I can't remember what the overall goal was, but that he would be, he would self-soothe and the evidence would be that he would take space at recess and he who wouldn't hit another kid or whatever, you know, whatever there's like no episodes of aggression or violence or whatever, like that, you know, and it, it just, so there are some, it, you know, it is possible and you have to have people who are willing to, shift how they think about the kids and, and the diagnoses and the, you know, kids with ADHD need to learn how to focus. No, they don't. They need to be given lots of things to do at the same time that, you know, ADD and ADHD are the multitaskers of the universe. And if they're told just to do one thing, they can't do it. I can't do one thing. I always have like eight minimum of 10 things or more going on at the same time like that. So that's what the book is. It's really just, um, you know, a completely different take on the kids. And, and, and the thing that I love about it is that there are tools in there that are actually really practical that work. <laughs> and, and so I view them as a complement to the trainings that you and I both had. I mean, different because we were in different, um, you were psychology, right? And yes. I was social work, but but some of the same underpinnings of child development and like that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's just a different. So I still use all that, but I don't. There, the harshness is gone, and there's more flexibility, and and 
and sort of more openness with not what's wrong with them, but who are they? What do they require? What works for them? And what can we be and do to contribute to them, like managing and thriving, right? Like that. Yeah. And I love how in the book, you all talk about how these kids, rather than having disabilities, which is how the mainstream sees them, they actually have abilities, capacities, gifts. In fact, you call them X-Men, X-Men who have superpowers. Right. Tell tell us more about that. The superpowers. So I was the, um, we created an online school for these kids, um, I think five years ago, five years ago, the spring, the five years ago now is when we started to create it. I think it opened five years ago, this coming September. And it, we did it for a year. Um, and it was a huge success for the kids and not such a great success financially. We just, there wasn't enough interest to keep it going. But anyway, we had this thing called um, fun Fridays and, a friend of ours named Diva, Diva Diaz, um, was the guest for Fun Fridays, and her, the, her topic. And these were all these are all little, little like sparkly ADD, ADHD, autistic kids that were pretty high functioning and really amazing. And so they're all in the, the. We were doing Zoom back in the day. That was the, I can't remember the name of the classroom thing, but it was all through Zoom, and. Um, and the, the, her topic was superpowers. And one of the little guys named Cooper told Diva something that he'd done that, was, that where he knew something that was going to happen and then it happened. Or I can't remember, he, he prevented something from happening that should have happened. I can't remember what it was. But Diva said to him, so Cooper, would you say that's a superpower? And Cooper said, no, Diva, that's not a superpower. That's just what I do. <laughs> I just, I love them. I so love them. So, but, but the superpowers are, and we all have them to some extent, to some degree or not. Like how many of you can finish somebody else's sentences? How many times have you thought about somebody and they either called you or um, sent you an email or you ran into them in the street? Um, how many times have you wished for something and it just showed up you know like all that kind of stuff how many times have you known when you walked into a room that something was going on you didn't know what it was and everybody's back was turned and nothing looked awry that you knew it right and it turns out that it was how many of you know when somebody's lying to you Right? Like all those, those are all, and that's not this cognitive, I'm going to think, therefore, it's this, it's this, um, it, I don't know, sense maybe is a way to talk about it, but it's that the superpower that we all have is when we realize that we know things that we shouldn't know because nobody taught us or it wasn't linearly explained to us like that kind of stuff. So some of the kids that I work with, one of them said that um, she's in high school and she had to take a math test and like true to form, she didn't study, didn't study, didn't study, didn't study. And then she studied one night and went into class the next day and um, 
took the test and uh, the teacher was, the teacher's desk was facing her and he was watching her. She was writing and it was calculus or trigonometry. I mean, it was, she's really smart and it was in as high school class and she just spat out the answer to the, to these questions, right? She didn't have to do the work. She just knew the answers. And the teacher looked at her and said, look, I know that you didn't cheat because I watched you take this exam. And since I made up the problems before you walked in the room, right before you walked in the room, I know you didn't find them from anywhere. But what he said to her is you're going to have to show some work because nobody's going to believe that you just knew. So you gotta do that. I've worked with so many kids for whom that's true. You know, they get sent home or they fail a math class because they weren't able to show their work. They don't think like other people do. And they don't, one of my favorites is, mom, my teacher says I have to show my work, but mama, I don't have work. I just know. (laughs) Right. Right. And then that's when you tell the kids, right? Like, what does the teacher, to ask a question, what does the teacher need to hear or see right, Exactly. to know that, you know, you are doing what they want you to learn, you know, like to right, exactly. be exactly. pragmatic about it. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the question that I ask all of them. Like, what is it? Yeah, it's exactly that. What is it that the teacher needs to see in order for her to give you a grade? Mm-hmm. And can you give that to her? Can you learn the way you learn and give her what she needs in order to know that in order for her to think she's a good teacher? Because that's what a lot of it is. Mm -hmm. You know, teachers get their identities wrapped up in whether the kids learn the way they're taught or not. And if kids, you know, teachers with fragile identities (laughs) who are insecure, if they have kids that don't learn the way they're taught, they take it out on the kids. They don't, you know, like, no, it's not personal. It's just the kids. It's how they learn. It's different. But if you say to kids, can you learn the way you learn and then give them whatever it is that they need, they'll all say yes. It's like nobody, but nobody says this stuff to them. You know, it's like nobody gives them permission to be as different as they are and still get along with everybody. No, they're trying to get them to conform, right? The teachers, the parents, everyone has this idea of what kids are supposed to look like, what their learning should be like. And what you're saying is, hey, there's not a one-size-fits-all formula for everyone. Well, there's the teachers that say they have to learn this way, and then the kids that say, over my dead body, and then then they just fight. And the reality is the kids can learn... The, kid, the kids can learn the way they learn. They don't need to be, you know, they can pretty much get it from a book or whatever. They, and, and, and so it's both of them. It's like the, in order, but a lot of times the teachers won't back down. Like they're going to need to get what they need to get from the kid or they're going to fail the kid. And yeah. that's just the way they are. Yeah. And that's what I say. I'm really, like you talked about being pragmatic. I'm really pragmatic with the kids. Like, here's the deal, guys. There are a lot of people out in the world that are just like this teacher. And the sooner you learn how to deal with them and not take it personally and figure out a way to move around, move on, whatever, the easier it's going to be for you. But if you keep picking fights with people, <laughs> it's just going to slow you down. Right. And it's your choice, you know, choice creates. Like, what, what future are you creating by picking a fight with your teacher? Like you fail math, you're not going to be able to play on the football team. Full stop. 
And that's right? what I love. Right. But you need to, right? Yeah. No, sorry. Um, the Zoom sometimes cuts. <laughs> cuts there's a delay yeah. with it. But no, I wanted to say I'm, that's what is so wonderful about the way that you work with your clients because it's so empowering to them. Right. It's giving right. the kids the choice instead of like putting all these expectations and projecting all this judgment and stuff on them for being wrong or different. Instead, you're empowering them to take charge of their own lives and make choices that are going to be, make their lives easier. Like, Hey, it's just a game. Why not just play along with the teacher and say what they need you to, you know, whatever they want to hear. And that's going to make your life. It's going to give you more time to go play after or whatever. Right. And whether it's a teacher or a parent is the same thing. I was working with another guy from I think from about five to nine. And then I started traveling so much. Um, I, I stopped working with him, but um, he had the meanest dad I have ever met. And I say that with a uh, case log of literally thousands of families. Cause I worked on the inpatient units, psych units for so long. And I would have 10, 12 kids a week um, average. And, and that's the way he was. And his, and he was mean, he was mean to the mom and he was mean to his son. And, um, his mom brought him in and presented him as a victim of this mean dad. And I said to the mom really early on, look, I, I'm not really much interested in creating your son as a victim. And let's have a look at the life he's going to create for himself. If, if, he successfully portrays himself as a victim. Like he's going to be a victim of mean bosses, of mean girlfriends, of mean friends, of like everybody. And, and what if instead we give him tools and, and really actually empower him to deal with people like his dad? Because his dad isn't going away. His dad's his dad. His dad's never changed since I've known him. Probably not going to change like that kind of stuff. And the mom, to her credit, said, okay. And it really shifted her out of, I have to make a victim of my son to prove how right I am and how wrong the guy is. Well, judges don't like that. And the guy cleaned up really well in court. And as happens a lot with women who get emotional and guys who clean up well and and sort of say, sort of, look what I have to deal with, like that kind of thing. Um, And it changed everything. Like by the time he was nine, he knew how to push his dad's buttons in court and in front of the court appointed people that would come and do evaluations so that the, um, I think the judge told the dad that um, not to come to court again for the same kind of stuff. And that he, I don't know, throw him, I don't know what he did, but, but you know, kid finally was empowered to stop his dad. It was awesome. Really wow. awesome. Four years. Yeah. That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And, and he's a great kid and he was so happy. Anyway, that, that's a longer story, but it was just a great story. Yeah. Mom, he gets out of the interview. Mom, guess what? <laughs> he told her everything that he'd done. And the evaluator called me up and said, Oh my God, that guy is such a jerk. <laughs> so it was great. And the kid was nine, you know, empowered. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that is such a gift. My God, you know, for these, I mean, so often I work more with adults and I'm always having to deal with the aftermath of kids who are different, who went through the systems and maybe didn't yeah. get that empowerment. 
I'm now dealing with them in their twenties, thirties and beyond this stigma and this judgment. You know, I have a young woman in her twenties, you know, who is given the ADHD diagnosis and told, you know, that she has learning disabilities. And now she has all this anxiety around getting a job or moving ahead in her career because she thinks there's something wrong with her that she won't be able to learn at her new job and she won't ever be able to be successful, you know, all because of these earlier life experiences with school and with those labels. Yeah. I, sweetie, I, my hat is off to you. I just, I love working with kids because it, his life path changed. The trajectory changed and he has, you know, anyway, I, it's just, and, and the younger they are, the better I like working with them too. <laughs> I really do the little bits. I, I got a, um, I'm a registered play therapist supervisor, which is the, the top certificate for being a play therapist. And I did it just so that I could have the alphabet soup after my name or teach classes or do whatever, but I love working with those kids. I really do. Yeah. Speaking of which, so in addition to your private practice in Denver um, and the book, you know, that you've written with Gary and Dane, you also do classes all over the world, right? I do. I do pre-COVID and now I do them online. I'm in the middle of doing a telecall um, called Would You Teach a Fish to Climb a Tree? I have a copy too. And um, I do classes for therapists. I'm so excited, Adriana. I'm going to, I'm, my, I should have a new website within the next couple of weeks. I'm really hoping. And there are going to be four areas in it. One that's called Kids Corner another area for parents, another area for therapists, and another area for this um, modality that I've been using that's sort of the source of many of these tools is called access, access consciousness. Um, and so I'm really, anyway, so I do, I do classes for therapists too. I did one in Sao Paulo six months ago, I think called Therapy Made Easy, but it's the same kind of stuff that we were talking about right now. Like what if there, he doesn't need to be hard on you, hard on your clients. Um, and it's not to dismiss all the training that we got. I value the training um, and adding tools to it that can actually speed things up, make it more fun, make it easier, lighter for everybody like that. Yeah. And you also have classes for the parents of kids who have been given these diagnoses as well. I do. And I've done a couple, I did a, the COVID thing hit and I did a free zoom for, um, parenting. I just parents of school age kids, I think it was. And there were three, 400 people on that one. And then I did one for parenting kids with autism. And I think I did it on autism day or maybe like during that week, April is autism month. And I think April 2nd or 4th or 5th or something was Autism Day. And so it was right around there. There are like almost 800 people that are in that right now. And it was just a half hour um, free free um, Zoom, if you will. But all this stuff is on my website too. It's all accessible. Yes. And so please tell us, how can people find you? 
uh, where, where your website or where else can they locate you? So my, my website is www.annemaxwell, A-N-N-E, Maxwell, like the coffee, and then lcsw.com. So there's three L's, two from Maxwell and one from LCSW. And um, that's actually the best place to find me. This is my current website, and I think that next website's going to be way easier to navigate and to pull out stuff. Fabulous. And then you do, and you work with people all over the world, right? Like you do do. sessions with people wherever they may be beyond just the greater Denver area, right? (laughs) I do. I do. I do Zoom and I, I, pre-COVID I've traveled, I think I've traveled to every continent except, um, what's the one? No, I've been to South America, North America, Europe, Australia. Antarctica. Asia, Antarctica, that's it. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I've done classes and all the rest of them. I love to travel. And yeah. I actually love this time yeah. right now. This is the time to do stuff like creating a website and um, do some recordings and like that kind of stuff. So yeah. I am so grateful that you agreed to be on the show today. You are such a tremendous gift to the people, the families, the kids, the schools, the teachers, like everyone who has struggled with someone who is a little different. Do you have any final um, words or thoughts that you'd like to share with those folks who might be struggling at this point with it? I guess the one, just from what you and I were talking about just a little while ago about kids and adults and and, um, the one question my favorite tool is asking a question. And if you already know the answer, it's not a question. It's actually a statement with a question mark at the end of it. But a real question is something like, what do I actually know about this? And it's a question that I ask myself all the time when I get stumped or when I start getting like, wait a minute, what is this? Like, and it's a question that I've asked ever since I began as a therapist, probably like way before, but what's going on here? And I think that you asked me why I got into therapy. So I've always had the gift with kids. But the other reason is I just am innately curious. And I love finding out about people. And I'm interested in how people got to be where they are and um, sort of what got them there. And again, my favorite question for myself and to give to other people is that, like, what is it? What's going on here? And what else is possible? Like, what else is possible for us to look at all of this through a different lens? Exactly. One that's exactly. more empowering, perhaps, for yes. everyone. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just makes me cry to think of what the world would be like if there were, if there was more of that, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. maybe our little talk today is the start of just planting that seed and there you go. out in the world. Thank you so much, Anne, for being with us today. It was truly a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, everyone be sure to check out Anne's book and her website, annemaxwelllcsw.com. And we'll see you next time on Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.